Have you ever wondered what the difference is between your calling and your gifts? Join the conversation today with my special guest, Robert Rogers, as we dive in to this and stepping out of our comfort zones. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change. My website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, please connect with me on all my social media links, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and even Facebook. And today, our guest is the amazing Robert Rogers. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It has been long overdue to have you on, so I'm so excited to have you here. We've been connected, gosh, I don't even know. It seems like a couple of years on Facebook. Is that at possible? Least a, yeah, at least a year. Yeah. So it just goes to the power of a connection, right? You get connected, and one day you're like, hey, come to Dallas <laughs> and promote your book. That's right. That's how it works, right? That's how it works. And so here we are in Dallas, getting ready to go to the Gallant View Veterans Expo. So thank you for being here. Once again, yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, it's nice to be back home in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. And so you have a book. So tell us about your book and what else you do. So I have a couple of books. The first one is The Paperback Mentor. That's the most popular book. And that's really, if you want to think about it, like having a mentor that you can take with you. It has a lot of life and leadership advice that I've accumulated over about 20 years in the military and do making a whole lot of mistakes. And so I write about those in a way that's very helpful and constructive for, for other people to either view themselves and say, ooh, I'm, I'm heading down the wrong path. I need to, to not do those things or, you know, hopefully to spark some ideas and get people thinking about, you know, I, this, this really applies to me and this really applies to my situation. What can I do to change it? Or what do I need to do to, to take better steps in order to make this a positive or healthy thing versus, you know, we're like most people where we can kind of go down the negative rabbit holes and, mm-hmm. and spiral and things that are, are challenging us. Right. But in a lot of the, those moments, there's opportunities to grow. We see them, we see them wrong. We don't see them as opportunities to grow. We see them as opportunities that or we see them as situations that are taking something from us, which most of the time isn't the case. Right, right. And so that's your first book. And what else? And then Answers for Airmen 
And that was a collaborative work, kind of like what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just gathered about 20 senior enlisted leaders or senior NCOs from across the Air Force and asked them 10 big questions that kind of impacts everyone across our force and had them publish that so that way we could make enterprise-wide information available to everyone instead of only having that information if you have access to that leader. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And you are also enlisted. I am. I'm a Chief Master Sergeant, and I'm up at Nord Northcom now, so excited to be back in Colorado Springs. Awesome, awesome. So, again, thank you for being here, and I always start off with the first question. I know that we've kind of introduced you, but I don't since I don't have your bio in front of me, that's why I had you do that. I always start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? I would say investing in people to me means that you pour the education and the knowledge that you have gained over the years back into to the people who you are charged with taking care of, whether that's your kids, whether that's your spouses, or whether that's your airmen or your guardians. You're taking what you've learned and putting that back in, you know, so that way those people can grow and they can grow, you know, grow dividends that pay to help other people across the force. I think that's really what investing is about is taking what you know and putting that back into the people so that way they can grow and they can flourish and, and have positive impacts on everyone they come across. Mm, I love that answer. And you're so right. It's like somehow we forget as a society that really when you are, like you said, investing in the other people, it produces something rather than, you know, oh, it's going to get a result and that's going to be the end of it. No, you are literally empowering another person to take action. So it's such a beautiful thing that you talked about. Yes, thank and you. When you grow their abilities, right, they grow other people's abilities, and, yes. and that's how it compounds. Absolutely. It's just a ripple effect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of uh, investing and education, we were talking earlier um, before we jumped on here because that conversation was so good, we knew we had just had to talk. And you were talking about how you grew up and actually learned how to invest at a young age. Age, like actual inbe- money investing, not just investing in people. So tell us about that story. Growing up, I, I grew up pretty poor. And one day my dad got a check in the mail, a dividend check uh, from some stock that somebody at work told him to buy. And I asked what it was. And he was like, oh, it's a dividend check. I was like, well, what do you get that for? And he's like, well, I own these couple stocks. like, And so they pay you to own them. I was like, what? They like, they pay you just to own a few stocks. And, you know, I think he only had two or three shares of, I mean, be ExxonMobil or whatever it was. But, you know, I, I was like, he's getting paid to just own something. And so I, I took an interest. And I think in middle schools, when I started paper trading stocks uh, <laughs> off the newspaper, whenever I, I get a, a hold of the, the stock ticker symbols. And so, and that kept that going for 20 years and made a very comfortable life for myself. Awesome. So you basically started your retirement at, at eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did everything from selling airheads and blow pops, especially whenever the blue raspberry blow pop oh, came out. Yeah. Game changer for right? for my school business. So, yeah, I've always kind of been a hustler and uh, just found a new way to hustle with a lot less effort physically, but a lot more mentally. Awesome. So you've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, yes, absolutely. Awesome. So how do you think... The lessons that you've learned in actual investing in money and as an entrepreneur has really carried you into your life as an airman. 
I would say we talked about this earlier. Um, controlling your emotions. Mm. A lot of people don't get into investing because emotion, money is emotion. Like it is for so many people. It is for me. Growing up poor, not having it, I I was scared to lose money. But when you're scared to lose money, you're also afraid to gain money. Yes. And I think the same thing goes whenever you're learning and you're growing in leadership. Right. If you're afraid to do something new, a lot of people want to stick with who they are. Right. They they gave they said this is who I am, and you just need to get used to it or mm-hmm. whatever else they make these claims but that's not like that's just who you're comfortable being yes. not who you could be so I, th- I see a lot of similarities with investing and growing yourself right is you have to you have to push past those uncomfortable emotional barriers in order to grow into the person who you can be whether that's you know investing your money and, and understanding there's ups and downs in the market and that eventually you're going to come out ahead in most cases or whenever you're learning a new skill set and you're trying to develop yourself as a leader and you're in this vulnerable vulnerable position of not knowing mm-hmm. something and you have to go through this uncomfortableness of being in the, in the not being in the know and having to learn and having to ask questions and having to grow through something you don't know how to do and a lot of people just avoid that and it keeps them from really reaching their true potential because people like to stay in their comfort zone they like to be comfortable and that's why it's a comfort zone and so but you know i i believe that there's four categories of comfort zones and most people just like to stay in the first one and what are those four categories so the four categories are the comfort zone the capacity zone the capability zone and the commanding zone. Mm. So the comfort zone is the easygoing. That's what most people like to live in. I consider the capacity zone to be kind of like at a restaurant where they say it can only hold 60 people, but in reality it can hold 80 or a hundred, right? But they have, a, they put a capacity on it. So that's whenever you kind of try to get out of your comfort zone and you're learning a little bit, but you kind of put these not real uh, limitations on things because it's clear that that room can hold more. Your capability zone is when you pack out that room, like you put all 80 to a hundred people, like it's what it can truly hold. And how I see that in our personal lives is that we're growing, we're learning, we're reading a lot, right? Readers are leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're pushing the things that make us uncomfortable because we know that it's going to take us somewhere higher. And then the final zone, the commanding zone, is where you're in charge of your life. Uh, and that's where I feel like I'm pretty close to arriving at right now. I, I don't do the things that I don't want to do. <laughs> like, I don't, if you see me somewhere, it's because I want to be there because I've taken control of my life through, you know, my investing and some of the business things that I've done to allow myself that freedom to do what I want to do. I am in charge. I am, I command my life. And so that's where I, I hope that most people can get to is that commanding zone where you take charge of your life and you live it on your terms. Mm. I love that. I love that you broke it down that way. What I do as a coach is really take them through our layers of, uh, comfort zone and it starts off with comfort zone like you talked about the status quo the this is this is it there's nothing nothing to gain Sure. And you're not necessarily moving forward either. You're just kind of in the in, in the mix, I right? I see you in the lazy river. That's exactly. how I see the comfort zone. Yes. You're just going around. Yes, exactly. In the circle, right? Mm-hmm. Or the hamster wheel, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah, that's what I visualize is the hamster wheel. So it's funny. You got the <laughs> lazy river also in a circle. And then the next step is the stretch, stretch zone, sure. which is about, you know, you're, you know, you can take a risk, a risk. You just haven't done it yet. You know you can do it, but you're like, ah, I just haven't done it. I haven't taken the time. I haven't made it a priority. And then the risk zone is, well, I'm not quite sure. 
not quite sure I could do that. I think I could do that, but I'm not quite sure. So it's a little uncertainty, right? That little bit of fear is showing up already. I mean, it's really showing up in the stretch, but you're like, eh, it's no big deal. But the risk, it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then there's the die zone, which could, for a lot of people, could be like, um, you know, like starting a business. It could be speaking on a podcast or even Absolutely. starting a podcast or public speaking, right? A lot of people writing a book. Yes. People are like, oh, there's no way I could do that. That is terrifying. I'm scared to death to do that. That's the die zone, right? Sure. And so what I do as a coach is really help people identify like how their fear shows up. And one of the things you said is about being comfortable. So for me, I had to learn how to be uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Deliberate discomfort. Yeah. So what... Where in your life was there a time where you realized you had to start being uncomfortable to grow? So I guess the first time I realized that, so when I, I joined the Air Force uh, a couple years after high school, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to get out of where I was at. I just wasn't in a great situation. I wasn't going to go anywhere. So I joined, and they were like, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to work in radio, because I, I always wanted to be like a music producer. Yeah. And they were like, well, there's this job here, and it's got this really cool equipment called like an oscilloscope. And you know, they convinced me that I was basically going to work in radio showed up at tech school and I was a radio, like a signals guy, like an Intel uh, Mm -hmm. signals, Intel guy. And I was terrible at math and science in high school and everything at at that school is math and science, everything from how waves propagate to calculating formulas, like everything. And so I, it was a a make or break moment. One of the first I'd ever had in my life because I was like, well, I signed up for this thing. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I had no common connections. And so I had to figure it out right there while I was being graded Mm -hmm. in a career field that I had no business being in. And eventually, you know, I became pretty good at my job, but I, I had to stretch very far. And I, I, I think I maybe got out of there with a B and I was very thankful for that B because <laughs> I, I had, I had no clue how to do any of that stuff, but you know, having grown through it and learned through it, I, I felt like I became something better, a little bit better of a yes. version of myself. And it's, you know, catapulted me into a career. I couldn't even have imagined traveling the world and doing all the awesome things that I've gotten to do thanks to the air force. Well, I think that, thank you for sharing that story. Cause I really think that that's kind of what how risks are set up in our lives, right? They're, we don't even know they're coming and then they show up and you're like, there's no way I can do this. And then you do it and you're like, wow. And then your life literally catapults and propels in a completely different trajectory than you were originally headed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I like to say that challenges usually hit you when you're ready for them, even if you don't like the timing. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So when have you gone through something that has really held you back where you were like, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And you just chose to shift gears. Was there something that you decided not to do? Yeah, I I chose to not get a master's degree. So I have, I, I was afraid to get my associates. I was actually afraid to get my bachelor's and I accomplished that. But I started working on my master's program and I realized for what it was worth, I did not, I did not see the value in it. I had a young child at home. I didn't see where putting all this additional time and getting this education would serve me more than being 
being a present father, being available to my, my son. So I started and stopped a master's program pretty quickly because I, I thought it was more important for me to be around and, and be with him than to try to get some, you know, another plaque or some moniker that I have a master's degree and nobody really cares. Like at the end of the day, man, at least in my opinion, you know, I, people are smart or they're not. So just because you have a degree, it doesn't make you one way or another. Mm. And so I, I just didn't see the value in it. And people told me that I was supposed to go get it. And I just chose not to. I chose to put my family, my, my kids in as a priority over that because that's a lot of time and a lot of effort. And if you don't know why you're doing it at the end of the day, then I, in my opinion, you're wasting your time. You should go spend it with your loved ones, the people who want to spend time with you. You know, you said something earlier before we started recording about what your job is. So can you tell the audience exactly what your job is right now in the Air Force? Which, oh, okay, the Air Force job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just got a new position up in Colorado Springs. I work for NORAD Northcom. I'm the J-2 Senior Enlisted Leader IMA there kind of oversee some of the joint enlisted military members up there and you know all the administration processes that go with that and you're trained in intel i am an intel guy yes, yes. by trade yeah and so something we again talked about earlier but it really lands back to what you just spoke on you made a decision because you chose to listen to your intuition and I know earlier we were talking about intuition and energy, how you, we can really pick up on other people's energy, but even our own. And that is really our intuition and trusting that. Because we don't always have to go with what society, quote unquote, will tell us to do. Like, get your master's degree. Oh, but Absolutely. it'll propel you. But you really took the time to go, okay, how can I make the best decision for me and my family? And you trusted your intuition. Yeah, I, I tell people now, because they always ask you when you're a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And I never had a good answer for that. And so now I do three different jobs because I don't want to be one thing. I want to be all the things. And yeah. so I've chosen to create a life where I do three different jobs for a living. And I make a great living um, and I live a happy, balanced life. But that was intentionally created and it takes some extra work sometimes but you know it's it's not the normal lifestyle that people look for whenever it comes to a career or whatever else but it works great for me and my family so you know i'm i, I don't, i've never been the traditional kind of guy anyway i guess <laughs> i love that me neither that's why that's why we're sitting here right, right. and so robert i know that you well first of all you might not know so my most of my listeners are you know mid 30s on up to like they're in their career they're going things are going great they're successful and yet there's something missing and so maybe they're looking for what's next for them so how would you explain the process of trusting their intuition because i know that you did you're trained in Intel. Sure. So how can you really explain to someone what trusting your intuition looks like? I, I guess for me, when I know I'm moving in the right direction, there's this um, undeniable peace is the only way I, that I mm. can I can define it. I've, I've done things that I wasn't happy with. And I knew I didn't want to do. And I felt that anxiety in, like inside of myself. I just knew that it wasn't right. 
but you know, I chose to live, leave the Air Force active duty, like doing active duty orders about 17 years into my career. I had about 17 years, so I had an active duty guaranteed retirement in my job, and I chose to leave that to develop people to write the book and to, to lead people and to serve people more often because I just couldn't find a way to do that. And everybody called me crazy. Nobody leaves the military three years out with a guaranteed military retirement. But I just knew that it was something that God called me to do. Mm. And I just remember feeling the peace whenever I made that decision. And whenever I walked away, knowing that God was in control, you know, God was my provider. The military is not my provider. Mm -hmm. You know, all these other things aren't my provider. He's my provider. So if I'm going to trust him, Mm. then I have to show it with my faith. Um, And I just remember such a divine peace that I felt walking away when everybody was telling me that was crazy. And then within the first year, I sold 5,000, 6,000 books after being a new author. You know, I had people coming out and asking me to come speak. And like all these things happened that I would have never even imagined. And now I lived a very balanced life. I, I really enjoy my life. So... I'm working towards that military retirement still a little bit at a time, but I felt such a great peace whenever I made that decision and I knew that it was the right thing for me. So I guess more than anything, it's how I feel inside whenever I choose to do something, especially scary, bold things mm-hmm. versus those status quo things. And you're just, you know, something's not right. You just don't feel your energy drawn to it. You don't, your, your effort's not, you know, in it. You just are just going through the processes or, you know, you know, chopping the wood and carrying the water. And, and some days that that's sure you need to do that if you're pursuing your passion. But if you feel like you're doing it all the time, then maybe it's not really your passion. Maybe you need to be looking at something else. Mm-hmm. I love that. If it's uh, not your passion, maybe you need to be looking at something else. Yeah. So I love your answer, and thank you so much for, for sharing it. Because intuition, to me, it, it kind of, we I think we have a, a way of processing decisions in our mind. Sometimes we overthink it. We overanalyze and we give it cute words like, I'm an analyzer. Oh, that's, that's great. Really what you're doing is not making a decision. (laughs) Yeah. And then we might feel it in our heart like, oh, this feels like it's the right thing to do. Sure. But at the end of the day, I love what you said about your faith. And for me, it's really about praying and knowing. And that's the gut. To me, the Holy Spirit lives in the gut Mm -hmm. of letting you know what it is what that piece is. And I feel, and maybe this is true for you as well, so please chime in after I say this, when you make that decision, when it's the right decision and you're in alignment of what you're called to do, have you noticed that doors open? Absolutely. Like supernaturally. Yes. Yes. Like you just said, like I just sold, I was a new author and I sold 5,000 books. I mean, who does that? I didn't know anyone who did that. So congratulations, first of all. That's amazing. I still don't know how it happened. (laughs) And what's so amazing to me is here I am, a, I would call myself just a hairstylist, and then I started this podcast, and then I started to become a coach, and I go to a podcast conference, and I meet someone, and he's like, what do you do for your coach? I'm like, oh, I transform trauma into treasure. And he's like, oh, have you considered working with veterans? And I was like, What? Well, they keep showing up. We got maybe. a lot of trauma in our <laughs> right. ranks. Right. I'm like, maybe I need to think about, like, maybe I need to say, okay, God, I get it. You're telling me to work with veterans. Okay. And as soon as I did that, doors of opportunity continue to open over and over and over again. And I feel like when we are called, 
it's a, it's a question like, do I do this? Am I capable of doing this? And then you make those decisions based on those certain different body parts, your mind, your heart, and then your gut. Finally, you get to the gut. Of course, that seems to always be the last one you listen to, right? Sure. And then you make that decision and you're like, look at what happened. Yeah. Look at all the opportunity that lies before you. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I agree. I, uh, there's just something about, I think everyone gets a calling and I think very few people follow it. I, but I do, I believe that people get a calling, but they think, they think it through. They, they go with a logical decision, right? They don't follow it. And I think God's looking for us to step out in faith. He gives us the calling, but then it's right. Free will. Are you, are you going to follow it? And if you step out in faith, like you and I both have, then I think the doors start to open. But if you choose not to, then nothing in your life is probably going to change all that much. But he's looking for you to to be all in, right? To to follow by faith and stop making it just about words, right? Make those footsteps, yeah. make it happen. And uh, and so I think, I, I honestly believe people get their calling. They just either are too afraid to do it or, you know, they, they think they overthink it. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, I need to get my military retirement before mm-hmm. I do this. Or I need to, you know, finish, you know, I need to start a hair salon or something. I'm supposed to do these things. And they just never do it. And they just keep themselves in that holding pattern. But the people who step out in faith and prove that, hey, I, I will take action on your calling in my life. I think find some incredibly supernatural op- door openings and just life changing things happen. At least all the people who I've met who have walked out in faith. I wholeheartedly agree. Agree, and I actually want to ask you something about something someone else and I were talking about earlier, just today. So, is there a difference between your calling and your gifts? Oh yeah, absolutely. So my, my calling, I believe, uh, is to inspire people through new perspectives. That's what I believe God put on my heart. My gifts, I, I would say, aren't really speaking. I can write well, and that's something I've developed. I was not a good English person. I still don't know all the rules that go with it. So if you ask me, I have no clue. But I can communicate well, and I think what God gave me is a gift of communication and the calling to inspire people through new perspectives. And I do that through my writing mostly. And also, you know, I, I talk to people in person. I go to organizations and have talks and do podcasts and things like that. But that's, uh, you know, a little bit outside of my comfort zone, which I'm working on, right? Yeah, I'm pushing outside of that. But I believe, yeah, your calling and your gifts are different. I, I think you use your gifts to, to help you achieve your calling. But I think your calling and your gifts both come from God. That's just how you use them. And if you're you know, not afraid to, to step out and use them. I agree. I agree. And I think sometimes we don't know our gifts. Other people see our gifts. Sure. And then it's willing to have convert those. Maybe it's a difficult conversation with someone that you trust. And to have that conversation. Like, what is it that you see in me as my gifts? Sure. Right. One of the things I see in leaders that I think is an overlooked gift all the time, especially in the military, is introvert leaders. So I'm an extrovert. I'm an ENTP. And people typically associate like the, the more boisterous, loud, like person who can speak up in a room, person with leadership. But what I've learned over my years is that introvert who's listening and paying attention, mm. getting a pulse of the room, understanding the you know empathetic aspects of a given situation, talking with their leaders offline. Man, those are some of the most impactful 
people, yet they don't get the credit that they deserve because they're quiet or they like to observe as opposed to talk. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I, I try to remind people is sometimes your gifts aren't out there for the world to see. Sometimes your gifts are the quiet things, the ability to you know connect with somebody at a level. There's a story in my book called The, pa- the Magic of a Mini Twix where this person would just take a small mini Twix and put it on my keyboard whenever I was, you know, whenever I was going through my day. And some days when I was in some really bad mental places, that little, that little mini Twix was just that little bit of ray of sunshine that reminded me that somebody cared and thought about me. Right. And I, I believe that's a leadership gift that mm-hmm. that person did that. So leadership gifts, right. Our gifts are, they look different and some aren't vocal and loud and, and show themselves to the world. Some of them are quiet and incredibly impactful in ways that most of us probably don't understand. Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you talk about leadership gifts as listening. I think that's undervalued. And especially in the military, but Absolutely. you know, in the world and even in the corporate world, I see this all the time. It's like, okay, you're listening, but are you listening to from a place of understanding or are you listening from a place of what to respond, yes. how to respond? What are you going to say next? That type of thing. And really for me being a coach and spending, you know, 28 years behind the chair listening, it's really about understanding that there's, they're talking but there's a whole lot that they're actually not saying. Yes, yeah. absolutely agree. So where have you seen that in your Intel experience where there's a lot of things that people aren't saying? Well, I read body language. And so definitely am looking at how people are talking about what they're talking about, how their head moves, how their body moves, how their eyes move. And so... I do. By the way, he's judging me right now, but that's yes, okay. <laughs> she's very fidgety. I guess I don't really, I don't really know. I guess I, for me, it's just something that I do. I don't do it intentionally, but you know, I do. I, I watch people and I, I try to get a sense for what they're feeling or what they're thinking or how a situation is playing out, and that way I can go up to them afterward and go, "Hey, like I, I feel like maybe my message wasn't hitting home. Mm. Can you tell me something? Maybe I wasn't thinking through, or you know, something that I said that may have." you know, come across as something that I didn't intend. And I like, that's why I like those introverts. It's because they're like, yes. And they'll tell you in the one-on-one settings too, they'll be like, Hey, you kind of came across as kind of a jerk, like, because you were too direct on this. And, you know, I think most people think like, well, now you're not approachable because of how you addressed us. And, mm. oh, you know what? That is not at all. And so then I have to go back and rethink and then go readdress and apologize a lot of time. I do a lot of apologizing. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I came across wrong. That's on me. That's that's my bad. That's it's my responsibility to communicate well with you. So if I didn't hit that, then that's something I take. What I meant to do or what I meant to say is, and if you have any things that you want to address with me, please come talk to me because I'm only looking to get better. Like Brene Brown, right? I'm not I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right, and that's what I always try to keep in my head mm. is making sure that I do it right, even if that comes at the expense of my ego sometimes. Mm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And you, I love Brene Brown. So I'm so glad you brought her up. She's phenomenal. I love her. So gosh, we've had such an amazing conversation. As you can tell, we could talk for hours because we've already talked for at least a couple before we got on here. Yes. So this was great. Before we go, we have a few more questions. And so what would be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? 
I want to be remembered as a person who made a positive difference, who left it all, all out on the table. If you read the paperback mentor, I get pretty raw. I talk about, you know, my divorces and, you know, going through mental challenges and losing all my hair to autoimmune disease when I got stressed out. So I just leave it all on the table because people need to see that you're, you're real, right? I, I believe pain is given to people with purpose mm. and that that pain provides a level of legit- legitimacy to your story that nothing else can. So I just, I speak, I speak from truth. I speak from my, my real life experiences and I speak to inspire people and let them know that you're not alone and that you can get through it. And here are some ways to think about what you're going through right now. And if I can do that and make a difference, leave this world a better place. I feel like I've done my job. Beautiful. And you're living that right now. I am. It's yeah, incredible. That's awesome. That's so exciting. So where can people connect with you where they can buy your book or say, Hey, I wanted you to come to my organizations where they can, where, where are, where do you live on Facebook, sure. uh, Twitter, all the things. So the books are on Amazon. I'm self-published. So you can grab those on Amazon, the paperback mentor or answers for airmen. If you're in a more like airmen or guardian setting, I have a Facebook page. I'm working on all the other stuff, the Instagrams <laughs> and the LinkedIn. So I'm not quite there yet, but my wife's helping me with that. Uh, and then I should have a, a web page up soon as well, hopefully in the next month or so. So you can reach me on those things. But in the meantime, I'm on Facebook fairly often. So reach out, send me a message, or you can email me at thepaperbackmentor at gmail.com. Awesome. And what would be your website address when it comes out? I believe it's going to be thepaperbackmentor.com. Okay. But we haven't finalized that yet, but it should be. I, I own the, the domain for it. Okay. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it has been an honor to have you here. And thank you so much for answering the call to when I sent it out, like, hey, do you want to come join us for the this conference, that the Vet Expo that we're getting ready to jump into tomorrow? So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I enjoy being down here back at home and getting some good barbecue and, you know, visiting some of the old areas that I used to grow up in. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, and uh, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Well, one of my favorite quotes is by Henry Ford, and it said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about that, it's on the inside of my wallet. My wife got me uh, that as a gift. And I always think about that because people don't know a lot of the times what they want. I believe that some of us are are meant to inspire a big change in the world. And we have to we have to provide people a different visual than the faster horse, right? We have to create the car or the assembly line for the car. We have to move things forward. And I think some of us are able to do that. And I hope that that's part of the calling that I had was to do something different, to move us forward as a people, as a force. So that way we can do something that we have a hard time visualizing, which is really getting down and taking care of our people the way that they need to be taken care of, as opposed to trying to continue the status quo that is failing our people, high suicide rates and, you know, sexual assaults and all the other stuff, high divorce rates. Like we're just, we're wearing our people thin. So try on, try something different. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see if we can try to improve it. Worst case scenario, we'll be where we started, but at least it won't be for ha- us having not tried. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for trying because you're doing an amazing job at it. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And if you go loved our interview today, which I know you did. I mean, Robert's amazing. You probably took some notes. So please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up.
Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience. And then add collaborating with other leaders. Your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters book project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at firestartersbookproject.com.